0: If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word. This morning I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. This is John's testimony, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to stoop and to look into the tomb. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord five words that changed everything. They stand as the center point of all history. They are a signpost to the coming kingdom of God. They are a declaration piercing the silence of sin and darkness that death does not win. I have seen the Lord. These words were first proclaimed by Mary and then later by the disciples after they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. Can you imagine what that must have been like? To have been with Mary at the empty tomb. To have been with the disciples in the upper room. To have touched. The wounds in Jesus' hands inside with Thomas. Seeing Jesus risen from the dead changed everything for them. Grief became joy. Fear became peace. Doubt became belief. And yet the question for us this morning, 2,000 years later, is what does any of this have to do with us? Because the truth is, we can't go back and see what they saw. None of us can go back to that day and be at the empty tomb or to be with the disciples in the upper room. None of us has seen the risen Christ, at least not physically. And so what does the resurrection have to do with us? What does it have to do with our grief and our fear and our doubts this morning? We need to hear what Jesus said after all of these things. Because I believe he's saying them for you and for me. After these things, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. What I want you to know this morning is though we can't see what Mary saw or touch what Thomas felt, Jesus promises us that there is a blessing that belongs to all who believe. The first way I want you to know this, I want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus gives us joy. I want you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 20, or you can turn in your bulletin, John 20 verse 11. John tells us that Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As John describes the scene that first Easter morning, he tells us that Mary is weeping. Now, grief is not an emotion that we ordinarily associate with Easter. For us, Easter is all about joy and triumph and victory, but the true story of Easter begins with grief. It begins with weeping. Mary is grieving. Why? The Gospels tell us that this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but this is Mary Magdalene. The Gospel of Luke tells us that Mary Magdalene, after she had demons cast out of her, became a follower of Jesus. She was among a group of women who were there, following Jesus along with the 12 disciples from the very beginning. She was a follower of Christ, a student of Christ. She was his friend, and she was there at the cross when he was crucified. So why was Mary weeping? Well, she was weeping, of course, because Jesus died. She saw her friend, her teacher, crucified and murdered and hung on a cross. But She was also weeping because when she arrived to the tomb that day, the stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty It was so empty in fact that her first thought was not resurrection, it was robbery. She assumed that someone had taken the body of her Lord. And so here she is weeping. She's weeping because the tomb is empty. This is something that I do not want you to take for granted. The tomb of Jesus was empty. This is a fact that is not contested even by modern historians. Even the religious leaders, the Jewish council, they acknowledged that the tomb was empty. So much so that they had to fabricate a story to try to cover it up. So the question for us this morning is not was the tomb of Jesus empty? The question for us is why? Why was it empty? And many skeptics would say, well, it's empty because the disciples made all of this up. The resurrection of Jesus is nothing more than a a myth, a metaphor, a, a fabrication. But you see, the disciples couldn't have made it up because we're told that they were so afraid they had locked themselves into a room, they couldn't have taken the body. And the words that John records here along with the other gospel writers can't be fabricated because if they were, they would never ascribe eyewitness testimony and the first eyewitness testimony to a woman. You see, because in those days, women had no validity in the court of law. And yet that is exactly who John tells us saw Jesus first. A woman named Mary Magdalene look with me at verse 14 she looks into the tomb she sees that it's empty she sees two angels she asks where is the body of my Lord and having said this we're told she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus she didn't recognize him Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping whom are you seeking And she assumes that he must be the gardener, that he took the body. And she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus speaks her name. She did not recognize him with her eyes. But upon hearing his voice, and hearing Jesus call her name, she recognized him at once and her grief became joy. It's just as Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of John in John 10, when he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, they follow me. In a single moment, Mary heard Jesus calling her name and her grief became joy. The tomb was empty because Jesus had risen from the dead. And this is good news for our grief this morning. Let me show you what I mean. Last Easter, our family got a puppy, a Bernadoodle named Burton. Now, I live in a house full of girls. So, yes, he's a boy. We got a male dog. It's the only way I could get boys in my house. And Burton, you can imagine, a house full of girls is loved well. His sisters adore him, except for one thing, like all good puppies, Burton chews up everything. And so several months ago, we were shocked to discover that Burton had chewed the hand off of my wife's vintage American girl doll. Now you can imagine the kind of sorrow and grief in our home when everybody saw that Felicity doesn't have a hand anymore. And now I want you to imagine that as a husband a father, I look at them and I just say, you know what? Let's just pretend it didn't happen. (laughs) Don't worry. Have joy. Be happy. Let's just pretend she has two hands. Now, any good father, any good husband would go and have the hand repaired, which I haven't done, by the way, at least not yet. They would make it to where it's as if That thing that's been grieved has never happened. Friends, I want you to know that this is why the resurrection gives us joy. You see, because the resurrection of Jesus is not pretend, this is not mythology, it's not a metaphor, it's not some fabrication. It really happened. And this is why the resurrection of Jesus gives us joy for our grief, not just simply at an emotional or superficial level, but the resurrection of Jesus undoes the thing that we grieve itself. It makes it as if it never happened. When Jesus rose from the dead, death was undone. And so in the resurrection, we see that there is joy on the other side of sorrow. That there is hope on the other side of grief. That there is glory on the other side of the cross. And so this morning, as we find ourselves just like Mary experiencing this dissonance between a day that should be joyful for us, and the truth is we come into the sanctuary with griefs of many kinds. Grief for our friends who have lost so much in Nashville. But griefs, on top of those griefs, so much loss and pain and disappointment over these last several years. And as we bring our griefs to this Easter morning, the joy of Easter is this, that death does not have the final word. And through our tears, the voice of Jesus is calling out. Do you hear him? Death does not have the final word, Jesus does and with that final word he is calling you and me by name I don't want you to just know that there is joy in the resurrection the second thing I want you to know the resurrection of Jesus brings us peace look with me at verse 19 John tells us that on the evening of that day the same day that Mary saw Jesus risen from the dead. Resurrection Day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. It's the same day. We're told that Mary went to the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. But apparently they didn't believe her because here they are, they're locked in the upper room because they are afraid in the same room where Jesus told them what he was about to do, that he would die on the cross and the third day he would rise again, they do not understand. And they're afraid. And this is what you have to understand about the disciples. They're just like us. Even though Jesus told them what he was going to do, they didn't understand. How could they? They just saw their leader, their friend, their teacher, their rabbi, crucified on the cross and they panicked. They didn't understand what God was doing before their eyes. They were filled with questions like, God, why? How could you let this happen? How could you take Jesus from us? So they went to the upper room, to that place, and they locked themselves in because they were afraid. Isn't this just like us? How often it is that when we don't understand what God is doing, we are filled with fear. The disciples were afraid. They were so afraid that they locked themselves in. They were confused, and they didn't understand. And even though Jesus told them what he was going to do, they were cowering. And just like you and me, even though he's told us what he's going to do, so often we don't know what he is doing. We're filled with fear. And you say, well, wait a minute. When did Jesus tell us what he was going to do? He told us in the book of Revelation, where John writes that one day Jesus will come again, and when he does, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither will be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things will pass away. And so it's so incredible about this scene of the disciples afraid, locked in a closed room, is that Jesus then appears to them. And it's amazing, not simply because the doors are locked and Jesus, risen from the dead, appears right in their midst. It's amazing because of what Jesus says to them. Jesus says, peace, be with you. It's not just a mere greeting, but Jesus is speaking peace to their fear because he loves them. Jesus is offering an Easter blessing, a blessing of peace in the same word for the Hebrew word shalom. What is shalom? Shalom is this word in the Bible that describes complete and true peace. The kind of peace that comes when all the wrongs will be made right. The kind of peace when the kingdom of God comes and he sits on his throne once and for all. Shalom is what is described in the book of Revelation. Shalom is no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning. It's all things being made new. So when Jesus comes to his disciples in the midst of their fear and speaks shalom, he is saying that the kingdom has come. That shalom has now been poured out on you in my resurrection. And then he sends his disciples out to bring peace to a lost and dying world. How can they do that? Look with me, verse 23. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. How can peace be brought to a lost and dying world? Forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, because forgiveness is where peace begins. Without forgiveness, you can have no peace with God. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is no forgiveness. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the apostle Paul says that we are still left in our sins. And if you do not believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then you have no hope. So the third and final thing I want you to know, not only is the resurrection of Jesus our joy, not only does it bring us peace, but the resurrection of Jesus is the reason we believe. Want you to look with me at verse 24. John tells us that Thomas, one of the disciples, the original twelve, he wasn't with the other disciples that day when Jesus appeared to them in the upper room. And so when the disciples came to Thomas and they said the same thing that Mary told them, we have seen the Lord. Thomas didn't believe them, and he went on to say this, look with me, verse 25, he says, "...unless I see in the hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe." This is where we get the phrase, doubting Thomas, because Thomas doubted. He refused to believe unless he could see with his own eyes and touch with his own hands, I think the most remarkable thing about Thomas's story is not his doubt, it's how Jesus responded to his doubt. Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't rebuke him. But out of his grace, he appeared to Thomas eight days later, and he said, here I am, Thomas. Here I am. Come, touch the wounds in my hands. Place your hand in the wound in my side and believe. Do you hear the grace that Jesus had for Thomas? The grace that Jesus had for his doubt? I want you to know that Jesus has the same grace for you. Jesus has grace for our doubts and grace for our fears and grace in the midst of our grief. And with love, Jesus graciously showed Thomas the wounds of the crucifixion. And this is why the resurrection is the reason we believe. You see, because this is the message, this is our hope, this is the gospel, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took on flesh He lived a sinless life and though he lived a sinless life he took on the poverty of our sin and he died on the cross in our place for the forgiveness of our sins but the story doesn't end there on the third day Jesus rose again and in his resurrection Jesus didn't just die, he conquered death. He didn't just die, but he conquered sin on the cross. And in his resurrection, we have life. Apostle Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Without the resurrection, there is no power in the cross. And one of my favorite illustrations of this comes from the Portland Monthly Magazine from 2009, where a Unitarian minister who doesn't believe that Jesus really rose from the dead interviewed the late atheist, Christopher Hitchens. The minister said to Hitchens, the religion you cite in your book is generally the fundamentalist faith of various kinds. I'm a liberal Christian, and I don't take the stories from the scripture literally. I want you to listen how this atheist, Christopher Hitchens, responds. I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah, and that he rose again from the dead, and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you're really not in any meaningful sense a Christian. Though he was an atheist, Hitchens had it exactly right. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again, then you are not in any meaningful sense a Christian, because the resurrection is the reason we believe. The resurrection gives validity to every single thing that Jesus said. The resurrection shows that Jesus didn't just die, but he conquered sin and death. The resurrection proves that he is the son of God. And this is exactly what Thomas professed when he saw Jesus with his own eyes. My Lord and my God. But I want you to listen to the way Jesus responded. Verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You see, we're just like Thomas, too, aren't we? We live in a world where seeing is believing, where we find it hard to place our trust in anything unless we can see it with our own eyes and touch it with our own hands. And so maybe that describes you this morning. And you hear the testimony of Mary and the other disciples that they've seen the Lord and You say, well, what is that to me? I haven't seen the Lord. And the truth is that's true of all of us. None of us have seen him physically with our own eyes. And yet Jesus says, blessed are those who've not seen and yet believe. How can that be? Well, could it be that Mary saw Jesus at the empty tomb? And that the disciples and saw and Thomas saw Jesus in the upper room, so that by their testimony, thousands of years later, you and I would carry on the story. And that based on what they saw, we would believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So here's my question for you this morning. What do you believe? What are you going to do with the empty tomb? What do you believe about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How will you respond? Are you weighed down by grief? Are you paralyzed by fear? Are you consumed with doubt? By grace, Jesus called Mary's name. By grace, Jesus appeared to his disciples. By grace, by grace, Jesus showed his wounds to Thomas so that by grace, Jesus would bless us with belief so that all who believe in his death and resurrection would have life in his name. And one day, one day, we will see him face to face. And when we do, we will say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. Let's pray, Father in heaven. Oh, we ask that these things would sink deeply into our souls this morning. We pray that they wouldn't just be words for our ears, that they would be so much more than a metaphor or a myth, but that you, Jesus, would bless us with belief this morning. And in our belief in your death and resurrection, that you would give us joy and peace and faith. Oh, Lord, draw near to us. And as we leave this place, give us eyes, spiritual eyes to see what Mary and the disciples saw that one day we might say to you, I've seen the Lord. We ask this in your sovereign and holy and majestic name. Amen. Would you please stand?